You're listening to Parenting Our Future with certified parent coach, Robin McMahon, author of The Yelling Cure and founder of Parenting for Connection. My podcast is all about providing you with the tools and solutions you need in your parenting so you can create the family you always wanted. Hi parents, it's Robin McMahon here. Just before you dive into this episode, I wanna invite you to join my new membership site for free. My site, which is at www.parent-toolbox.com, is the companion to my award-winning podcast where you will find game-changing tools and resources from me and from my expert guests who are among the top leaders in the parenting world. Join for free today at www.parent-toolbox.com. Now back to the show. Hi, everybody. It's Robin McMahon here. Welcome back to Parenting Our Future. Okay. Today is a big day. I am celebrating my 100th episode of Parenting Our Future. And today I want to talk about all the things that I wish I had known when I became a mom. And I want to share them with you. There are 10 different things that I've learned. I mean, I've learned more than that, but I want to highlight these 10 because I think they are really important. And I want you to hear them because I know the changes that they have made in me and they've made in me as a mom and as a person. So I can't wait to share them with you. But before I do, I just want to give you an opportunity to enter the draw that we have because we're celebrating this 100th episode. This is a big deal. And I want you to help me celebrate by giving you some pretty awesome prizes. So when you go to www.parentingourfuture.com, you can enter to win some fabulous prizes, if I do say so myself. So first prize is one-on-one coaching with me. It's three months of one-on-one coaching. And what I do with my coaching when I work with clients privately is I work with them for a couple of calls. And what we do is we really just dive into your parenting as it is right now what's happening right now what are what are the things that are frustrating you we also look at your past parenting and and how you were in your childhood how were you parented because we always know that the way you were parented is the way you will parent so we want to just look at all of that stuff and then from there i put together a plan once i know you once i know what you need i put a plan together for you i present the plan to you and then i spend the next couple of months working through the plan with you, helping you implement what I've put together for you, all of the tools and the solutions, and even just the words to say when your kid says something, you know, how your mind goes blank. I'll give you the words to say, I'll give you cheat sheets and all sorts of things just to make this as easy to follow as possible. And I'll tell you, when I work with clients, they start to see results in their parenting and in themselves in the first two to three weeks. So it is a quick, really quick, time to to turn your parenting around so that's the first prize second prize because i want you to spoil yourself i want you to get something that you've wanted i want you to get something that you would normally not spend money on it's a 200 amazon gift card and the next one is an ember smart mug because we always as parents often have cold coffee because there's a hundred different things that we're doing and we forget and in goes the cup into the microwave again reheat our coffee well how about you get an ember smart mug if you're watching this on youtube i always have my mug handy i love my ember smart mug and um, i swear by it so i want you to have warm coffee all the time too you deserve it 
And next for the fourth prize, I actually am giving four of these away. These are one hour, one-on-one -on -one calls with me. And I'll tell you, I have seen people's lives change, their parenting perspectives change in an hour. So I wanna give that to four of you that enter to win. And, um, and these will be scheduled uh, as a Zoom call with me and we'll work on your biggest parenting problem. Now, everybody that enters, will get a gift. What I have for you is a guide. It's a 12-page guide and it's quick fixes for frustrated families. These are some of the, the easiest to implement tools that will make the biggest changes, right? It's just some small things that can make big impact. I like to say it's small hinges that swing big doors. So I am giving that to everybody that enters because you're obviously a parent that cares enough to want to change the way that you're parenting to show up for your kids in a different way and i celebrate you for that and i want you to know that i am here cheering you on and everybody will get that so please enter to win uh what you have to do in order to enter just so you understand the steps which of course is all laid out on the website in full detail is you want to go to itunes um so apple Podcasts, itunes and from there, find Parenting Our Future. And I'm gonna ask you to subscribe, review, and rate the show. So subscribe to the show. There's a picture of where you can do that. Rate the show, five stars is definitely what I would prefer, but please rate it as honestly as you feel uh, appropriate. And then review. So give me an honest review of what you think of my show, what you think of my guests. And um, when you've done that, we will get you to fill out a form that's on the website with the name that you've put the review under. We'll go check it out and uh, you'll be entered to win. And when you do that, when you fill out that form, an email will be sent to you with the link to the guide, Quick Fixes for Frustrated Families. So please go there to enter to win. Um, and, uh, and, and yes, thank you for your support. So let's get to the show, shall we? What I have today is those top 10 lessons that I've learned that I wish I had known from the beginning. So let's get started. So the first lesson that I want to share with you that I find that I say all the time is that parenting isn't an emergency. And sure, there are times where it's an emergency and there's blood and there's broken bones or there's somebody getting hurt, that is an emergency. But I want to invite you to look at parenting and your responses and your response time and slow it down. Because when you slow down, you are more intentional you are able to respond in the way that I know you want to. It's how you stop yelling. It's how you stop yourself from saying something you can't take back, from saying something that you wish you didn't say. So what I want you to know is that not everything needs to be solved in this moment. You can come back to it, especially if you're triggered. I always thought that if I were to say to my child, I don't know what to say right now, or I'm mad and you know, you go to your room. If I had said instead, I'm mad and I need to think about why I'm angry and I need to figure out what I wanna say next, I need a minute, would have helped me calm myself down enough to not yell at my child, to not threaten my child, to not punish my child. And I have two boys, so. I mean child children <laughs> so 
think about that. Think about what it would be like for you if you just took a moment before you responded. And the reason why I like this is because it puts space, you know, space and time between your child's behavior and your reaction. And in that moment, what I, what I suggest you do and what I do is say, okay, whoa, what is going on here? Why am I so angry? You know, what does my kid need? What is going on in this situation? What's happening? Is this about me? Am I bringing my own stuff to this? Right? Or is this something I can let go? Is this something I can just say, you know, hey, do you want to try that again? You know, sometimes when our kids are rude, you can just say, hey, do you want to try that again? Because they usually know when they're being rude, right? Instead of taking it personally, which actually is the next thing I want to talk about. Our kids' behavior is because of a few different reasons. Our kids behave the way they do for a few different reasons. There's either a need that isn't getting met, there is a feeling or an emotion that's unvalidated, unrecognized, or they don't have a skill to do better yet. And if you listen to my podcast a couple of weeks ago with Michelle Schulbach, where we talk about executive functioning, there's a lot of skills that make up that part of our brain and make up executive functioning. There's eight different, there's eight different categories. And so those are skills that we don't always have, right? And our kids don't, our kids don't come to us with a fully grown brain. And when you think about the fact that they can't understand their feelings, they can't articulate their feelings, they don't even know how to deal with their feelings. So if they can't articulate them, they don't know necessarily what they're feeling, that what they're feeling is normal and natural. And then they come to us and they articulate it articulated in a way that is maybe unlovable, maybe unpopular, maybe hurtful, we take it personally. And I can tell you, it is never personal. It's never about you. It really isn't. Because if you think about it as your child, and uh, for those of you watching on YouTube, uh, I, I'm using my hands to talk, but you know, if you look at your child over on one side and they are just picture them in their own little bubble, right? And they've got all of their feelings and needs swirling around. They have their perceptions of what's happening in the world. And that, you know, for the most part, they're small little people living in a world of giants. And we're over on our side with all of our feelings and needs, with all of our past hurts and past pain and you know, we operate from the place we were hurt the most, right? And so here we are, we're over here on our side with all our stuff. Our kids are on one side, we're on the other, and our kids go to communicate with us and we take it the wrong way. We misunderstand it. We make it personal. We make it to mean something about us, but it's never personal. They are just coming from their place of their own feelings, their own needs, and the way they have interpreted a situation. So if they say, mom, don't talk to me, or mom, I hate you, or mom, get out of my room, it's not about you. I know it feels like it is, but it's not. It's their feelings that are making them articulate that, but they don't know how to say, mom, I'm scared. Mom, I'm, uh, I'm worried. Mom, I'm nervous. It just comes out as, as something that they say to you. And then we take what they say attached to it 
and now we make it about what they say. So what I'm asking you to do is to first know that that behavior is never personal. And look, I have a child with ODD. And so there's a lot of stuff that gets thrown at me that is like, oh, you lied to me. My, my son has told um, doctors that I lied to them, has um, thrown me under the bus multiple times. And I'm not saying that I don't get upset sometimes. I'm not saying that you know, you don't have to feel a little bit hurt by it. It's okay to feel your feelings about it, right? But also know that if your child had has the opportunity to explain what's really going on with them, and if you can take the way that they deliver that message, that communication, because behavior is really just communication, letting us know what, that there's either a need that isn't getting met, a feeling that's invalidated, or they don't have the skill yet. If we take that as communication, we just say, okay, I'm just going to put that aside for a minute. I'm just going to put what you said and how you said it aside for a second and say, okay, hold on. If I'm not going to take this personally at all, I'm going to say, what is going on with you? Why did you say that to me like that? You know, I'm confused. And that's why you want to pause because you want to give yourself that space to sort of like shake it off and say, okay, hang on. What is this? What is this about? what's going on with my kid right now? How come he's so angry? How come she is so rude right now? Why does she have to give me that kind of attitude? What, what is this? Is it just, she's having a bad day? What is it? And so then you go and you ask, you just ask, Hey, babe, how come you sound really mad at me? You sound really worried you sound really whatever whatever it is that you need to to say whatever you're thinking say you know wow can you tell me more so you acknowledge that wow you must be feeling this then you you say okay tell me but how can i support you what's going on because our kids are good our kids want to please us. They want to get along with us. I know that it feels like they don't, but they really do. And so if we can slow down, not take it personally, and just ask, we will get so much more connection because our kids will see that we can see past that stuff and actually get to the root of the problem. And then when you get to the root of the problem, you say, okay, that makes sense. Or you say, okay, I didn't know that. Oh, thank you for telling me. No, and then from there you say, okay, how do we work this out? Or, okay, now that I know this, can I ask you next time, not to say, mom, get out of my room, mom, hate, I hate you, or dad, you're the worst, or you know, you don't understand me, or whatever they say, and say instead, mom, I need a minute because I'm feeling this. Can you come back and talk to me later? Right? You can ask for a different way. And that's really, truly how we change behavior, not through punishing, but through talking and also through deep listening to your child. Oh my goodness. This is something that I, I can honestly say I didn't listen to my kids. I missed what they were saying to me when they were little. And I know so many times that our kids will say something and we just dismiss it. But we need to listen 
when they speak. We always talk about our kids listening to us, but it goes both ways. And I think listening begets listening. What you're doing by modeling deep listening for your child is that they're worthy, right? And you're modeling, first you're modeling the, the listening, which shows them how to listen, right? And that means you put your phone away. That means you put your phone down. You don't look at it, put it upside down. If, if you get an alert or notification, you just ignore it because what is in front of you is much more important than any message you could be getting. Now, of course, there's times where your kids are gonna say things that you're not gonna fully tune into, but you know those times. You know those times when your kids have something to say. And that is your invitation to stop what you're doing and say, okay, you know what? I really need to listen. And so you need to listen in the following ways. You listen to what they're saying and you listen to what they're not saying. Listen to their body language, right? You listen to understand, not listen to respond. Do your best not to have any judgment of what they're saying. I know it's hard, right? It's hard. And I know sometimes they talk about things that we couldn't care less about. But what I can tell you is that it is so worth it. And I have a couple examples for you. You know, I have um, my youngest. He, you know, he, my older son is the squeaky wheel, right? He's the one that gets the oil. He's the one that is always needing, you know, has high, high needs. And so my little one is a very quiet child and he always has been both are teenagers. And so now he speaks in grunts and groans. And, you know, I've, I'm trying to accept that. I am learning to accept that, uh, which is another lesson coming up. Um, but what, what I want you to know is, you know, I've missed things too. I remember one time when my son was, was younger, probably around three or four years old, we had some people over and they had their boys over and they were playing with my boys and there was something going on upstairs and we were downstairs. The adults were downstairs, all the kids were upstairs and there was some sort of kerfuffle upstairs. So it was the other dad's turn to go up there and sort it out. And, uh, and so in doing so, um, he talked to Aiden, my son and his boys and, uh, you know, we're there to work it out. And, uh, and when he came downstairs, I said, oh, I know it's sort of hard for Aiden because he doesn't really he doesn't really you know talk much he doesn't really articulate himself and our friend said actually no he did a really good job and that was the first time I realized that I had missed how well my son can communicate I didn't realize it at all and it took somebody else to point it out for me to realize that actually he was saying a lot and he had a lot to say and it was all really interesting things it was really smart things and there was another time too where my son was re really starting to to play xbox and this is aiden still uh i started to play xbox and um you know those games are just so all-consuming right and they're excited about them they want to talk about them and i um I realized that I wasn't listening to him when he was talking. I realized that I was just like, you know, like totally like glazed over every anytime we would talk about it because I don't care about that stuff. And I am not interested in ever playing that game, but it was, it was important to my son. And so in doing this work, I'm like, okay, Robin, you got to listen to your kid. So I, 
Um, I would talk to him about the game. I learned that there were different characters that would come on different days and they would have different uh, things that they would add to the game and that sort of thing. And so, um, so we would talk about it. And then every time there was something new coming up, Aiden would look for me to talk to me. And he would say to my husband, like, where's mom? Where's mom? I got to talk to her. Where's mom? It was awesome. It was so sweet and so like such a bond that we built together. And then there was this one day where we were out at this gaming store and they have all those Funko Pop you know, those uh, little figurines that are so cool with those big heads. And, uh, and so we've got a ton of them in our house. You probably do too. And I saw Aiden go to the back of the store. And then I saw his hand like jump up, reach up to grab something that was black in the back. And, and I was like, what is that? And then I saw him coming towards me and I saw his giant big brown eyes. They were like perfectly perfect circles coming towards me with a big smile on his face. And he had this Funko pop in his hand. He's like, mom, mom, look. And it was a Funko pop of this character in his game called Zer. Zer was one of those weekly characters that came to the game and I used to make fun. Well, I, I didn't used to make fun of him, but I used to pretend I was him because he has this big, uh, heavy um, hood over his head and he's got all these flyy sort of, uh, what is it called? Like feathery kind of things on his face. And so I would pretend that I was him and put a black hood on and do that, whatever. Anyway, so he gave me Zer because I was always so excited about Zer. I loved his name. I loved his look. I loved everything. And so there was Zer and he's like, mom, you got to get this. So I did. I got it. And Zer now lives in my office as my reminder that I need to listen to my kids too. And that sometimes I forget. And I also know that sometimes listening to your kids is uncomfortable, totally uncomfortable. And you just kind of have to fight that anxiety, right? And sometimes they want to talk to you at the most uncomfortable, awkward times, right? Like they want to talk to you when they're supposed to be going to sleep right? Well, bedtime is all about connection. That's what bedtime is about. So take a few more minutes and lean into that. Even if you're feeling anxious, even if you know you've got other things to do or other kids to put to bed, you know, maybe come back to the child that really wants to share with you. And, you know, I've, I've had times where my child is sick wants to stay home from school, but wants to talk about it first. And I, my entire body is just vibrating with anxiety because I've got to get into my office. I've got to call with a client or I've got to record an episode or whatever, whatever. But if I can just relax, take a deep breath and just slow down and listen, we're all so much better for it. My kids visibly are happier. I know they feel more connected. There's always more hugs. There's always more I love yous when I slow down and I listen to them. And what this does on a bigger scale for everybody, and, and, I, and before I say that, I want to say, you know, have you ever been in a, in a room full of people and you've, you're talking to somebody and, and you've heard that, you know, in movies where it was like I was the only person in the room? That is what this is like when somebody truly listens deeply to you, that's what it feels like. It feels like love. It is love.
right? It is love. And so this is not just for your kids. This is for you to use with your spouse, you to use with your friends, with your coworkers. You want deep connection? It starts not by talking. It starts by listening, right? That is what this is all about. Listening deeply feels like love and is love. And so what this does when you deeply listen to your kids is they will feel loved, but they will feel heard. They will feel acknowledged. And that is a deep human need for all of us to feel heard. So many parents that I work with, when we're talking about the way that they were parented, didn't feel heard. And that's cost them. That's, that's, created the noise in their head that says that they aren't good enough or they aren't worthy or they need to people please or whatever, whatever. I know that I wasn't heard when I was a child. Partly my dad had ADD and he just wasn't a good listener. So you'd get him, you'd, I'd get him, I'd get him, I'd get him for a little bit. He listened, listen, listen, and then boom, he was gone. And it hurt. It hurt. I felt like what I said didn't matter. So for you, for your kids and for anybody else you use this with, your kids specifically will hear, feel heard and they will feel valued that what they say matters that their thoughts their ideas matter to you and that grows up kids who know that they are valuable and who they and that they are worthy and that creates a ripple effect because the way they feel is the way they will treat other people too right and the way that they will also raise their own kids and this is the start on how we change this parenting paradigm, this whole parenting, generational parenting that we have, that we will see and hear children and not just say, you just speak when you're spoken to. No, I want to hear you because what you say is important. What you say is valuable to me. I mean, I can't, can you imagine what it would be like if your parents said that to you? Like, hang on, I, I want you to tell me more. What, what else do you think of? What else do you have to say? What if your parents said to you, wow, I learned so much from you. Huh. I mean, that would be incredible, right? This is not about us being all seeing, all knowing. Our kids know things too. And for us to recognize that in them, oh, that is powerful. So please, please listen to your kids. All right. Now I wanna, transition into being our kids safe place. So I had an episode with Matt Larson, who is the founder of the happiness project. And he has two apps. One is called the happy child and one is called in love while parenting. And one of the things that he said to me that enables or ensures the long-term well-being of your children, but not just of your children, actually of you as well is when you can be your child's safe haven, which means that no matter what they say to you, no matter what's going on with them, you are not there to judge them or criticize them. You are just there to help them work it out. So that means if they got in trouble at school, you say, okay, let's talk about what happened. Okay. And you listen and you listen to their side you listen to you know maybe the teacher sent you an email and said well the teacher did say this or whatever but you don't rush to punish right 
you just listen and you say, okay, well, what can we do next time? How can we learn for next time? You know, oftentimes we just, we just jump to punish our kids, but that's not going to change anything. Maybe in the short term, because you've scared your kids. Yes. Punishment can work, but not in the long term, because when you punish your kids, you don't learn how to influence your kids later on because you will lose, you will, you, you will lose your power. You, you will lose it as they get older, as they get to be teenagers and they have their own jobs, they have their own money, they have their own, uh, sometimes they have their own car, their own ability to just, uh, you know, get around on their own, then your threats and your, your, um, your punishments are just shrugged off by them. So you want to be their safe place. And so along with that comes taking them seriously, right? And, and, and with everything that they say, you know, let's say they got in trouble at school, you know, wow, I wonder what you were feeling. How did that make you feel? Talk about their feelings and their emotions. And, and look, we know now that validating emotions is absolutely vital. And this is also something that ensures their long-term well-being is just having their feelings validated. It doesn't mean you agree with them. That's the thing. You don't have to agree with them. Even if you think it's stupid why they're upset, it's not about you, remember? <laughs> and for you to just listen and say, oh boy, if I was in your position, I could see why that would be so hard. If I was in your position, I could see why it would be devastating to lose your balloon. If I was in your shoes, I can see why you are so disappointed you didn't get invited to that party. If I was in your shoes, I could see how unfair it feels that I can't buy you that toy or give you that treat or whatever. It's not about agreeing or disagreeing. It is about just saying, yeah, I get it. I get that you must feel that way. And feelings are okay. It's okay to feel your feelings. And by the way, it's okay for them to express their feelings. So when you're their emotional safe haven, First and foremost, you validate those feelings. And here's the thing, we know, because we can see this now in fMRI machines, we can see that when we validate emotions, that the brain actually releases soothing neurotransmitters. So I learned this from Dr. Dan Siegel. It's called Name It to Tame It. He says that when we have a feeling that we're feeling and we don't know what it is, or uh, we can't, you know, can't put our finger on it. You know, like I, I've, I've been this way before and I'm sure you have too, where it's like, oh, I, I don't know what I'm feeling. I don't know. What, what is this? Like, what is this, this feeling that is plaguing me? I can't quite get it. And then it's like, oh, you know what? I think I'm just scared. I think I'm just really hurt. I think I'm just really disappointed. Yeah. Yeah. That's it. That's what it is. And it's that moment that, oh, that your brain is, and this is how Dr. Dan Siegel says it, he says, squirting soothing neurotransmitters to the part of your brain that's activated. So the left side of your brain squirts those neurotransmitters to your, your activated emotional brain. And so to name it is to tame it. And you name it for yourself and you name it for your kids too. And, and so I also think that it's important for us to talk in the language of feelings and needs, because that is what helps us grow our emotional intelligence and also helps our kids grow theirs. So in other words, you know, if you're having a bad day and maybe you're grouchy, maybe you're really scared, worried, maybe your job is at risk, maybe a family member is sick or a friend of yours 
you know, wasn't kind to you, lots of different scenarios, right? And you are not in a good mood. You are not in a good place for you to say to your kids, listen, you guys, I'm having a rough day today. And I think I need some, a little bit of space. So if I could just ask you guys, a mommy's feeling or daddy is feeling A, B, and C. So I just need a little space right now. I'm just going to go sit in my, in my bedroom. I'm going to lie on my bed and read a book, or I'm going to just have a little quick little lie down on the couch here. And so if you guys can just give me a little bit of space, I'd really love that to help me feel a little bit better. That's talking in the language of feelings and needs, right? And what your kids will do is they will do the same thing too. You are modeling this for them, right? And that is really, really important. And I had a situation where, you know, I told you before uh, about it never being personal, but where, where my son actually did throw me under the bus in front of our, um, our pediatrician, who thankfully is just the most wonderful man in the world and definitely knows that, you know, what my son was saying isn't true and all that stuff. But he was just telling the doctor I'm a liar and all this stuff, right? He was kicking my chair too, because he was in a really bad place. It was just a really rough place, my poor kiddo. But it was exhausting because everything I said he argued about, he was so rude to the doctor. And it was just, it was awful. It was just like, you know, one of your worst nightmares. And after we left the office, he knew I was mad, but I didn't say a word, which is my go-to, right? Like when I get mad, I just, I, I just, I just shut down or I yell, to be honest. And I wasn't going to yell in the hallway of the doctor's building. So I just got really quiet and we got into the elevator and he's like, mom, mom, are you mad? Are you mad at me? And I said, you know what, Parker, I am really hurt. I am really disappointed. And I'm going to need a minute to calm myself down. He goes, okay, I'm sorry. I'm like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. He doesn't like it when I just say, mm-hmm, because I, I wasn't in a place just at that moment where I could get over it yet. I needed some time. And I told him that. And he said, okay, mom, I'm going to do what you do. Okay. And I was like, what are you talking about? And he said, okay, mom, tell me what you're feeling right now. And I was like, oh, well, I'm feeling hurt. I'm feeling um, sad. I'm feeling embarrassed. And he's like, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It's okay. Okay. Mm-hmm. I understand that. Okay. I see you're feeling hurt. You're feeling sad. You're feeling embarrassed. It was such a sweet moment. I loved it so much. I, I can picture exactly where we were. I can picture the art on the wall in the lobby of the building uh, and, and him just saying, yeah, mom, I get it. Oh boy, that's really hard. And I'm really sorry. <laughs> it's just so sweet. Like that's the thing. And this is with a child who has ODD, who has ADHD, who has mental illness in the form of OCD, you know, the, so like, I just, I just tell you this because any child can do this. You can have this relationship with any kids. And I come from being such an angry mom, such an overwhelmed, angry mom who just didn't know what to do. And this has been such the biggest gift to, to connect with my kids on an emotional level, to really talk to them. And of course, now, whenever something's wrong, they come to me because they know that I'm their safe place. I won't make fun of them. I won't tell them to get over it. I'll listen to them. And sometimes I push them. There, there actually was a time where, where my son, um, and I haven't really talked about this this much, but it's pretty recently where he stopped going to school. He was so anxious. And this came out of nowhere for, for us. And, um, and so 
you know, I was there for him to help him. And sometimes I had to push him and say, okay, listen, bud, we gotta go, we gotta, we gotta get to school and we gotta start walking, at least walk partway. Um, and in a way it was, you know, the best of times and the worst of times, you know, because we had to get him some help because we, we didn't know what was going on with him. And it really, like I said, it came out of the blue, which I know can happen for some kids, you know, especially when there is another child in the family who takes a lot of attention, right. Who requires a lot of attention through no fault of my older son, you know, it's not his fault, but you know, so, so being there means your kids will come to you and look, my kids are teenagers and this is when they naturally start to pull away from you and the reason why this is so important is because yes my kids do that and when something's wrong they come to me they come to us and that is everything because i don't want them going to the wrong people i don't want them going to their friends sure go to your friends talk to your friends but i want I want to be able to handle the messaging. I want to be able to guide you and mentor you in the way that I think is right. And so it just means that you are everything to them. You are their safe place, right? And so you're, you, when you're their, their safe place, you're validating their emotions, you're taking their emotions as real, even if you don't agree. And empathy is all about just being able to put yourself in their shoes and see situation and the world the way they must be seeing it again even if you don't agree all right so i have one last thing that i want to say to you um and this is number five uh so we talked about parenting isn't an emergency how it's never personal how listening is everything how we need to be our kids safe place and the next is what if you don't like your kid what if your kid <laughs> drives you crazy and maybe you hate being around them I felt this way and I'll be honest, I, I have, I really have. Sometimes there have been times over the years that it's been too much and I've needed help, which is, you know, originally why I got a parent coach to begin with. I needed help because I needed somebody to help me see things in a different way. But I also needed to stop fighting what is. And so what I'm talking about here is accepting your child. And, you know, this is what I always say. I always say it's hard enough to raise a typical child, but how about when you have a child who has extra needs, who is oppositionally defiant, who is strong-willed, who can't stand being told no. And every time they're told no, they have a meltdown, they have whatever, or they want things their way so much that they'll ruin things for you. So here's the thing. We've had a few holidays where we've gone away as a family. We haven't done a ton of vacationing and holidays or, or anything like that, partly because um, we knew it would be hard with our son. And so when we finally did start going away on holidays, we haven't really had one that's been really fun. You know, there's been fun parts, fun times, but it's been really tough. And I think that there's expectations that I have that set me up for failure sometimes. Um, you know, my son said to me one time, you know, we, we wanna go for walks, right? We wanna go, we have beautiful 
trails here, hiking trails, different things where I live in Vancouver. And, uh, and I love to explore them with our kids and take our dog sometimes, who's sometimes the worst dog ever. We love him so much, but he's not the, not the best behaved dog, that's for sure. And, you know, my son said to me one time, he's like, yeah, I don't want to do this, so I'm going out of my way to ruin it, which means he would poke his brother's, you know, push his brother's buttons. He would, you know, go out of his way to be rude or say no to things or just be just resistant. And that is really hard. But here is what, here's where acceptance comes in. I spent a lot of years really fighting what is, what was, and what is today. You know, I can't change the fact that my child, and here's the list. He has ADHD. <laughs> he has uh, learning disabilities. So he hates school. He has oppositional defiance. He, um, so, so he's a no before he's a yes, always a no, always a no before he's a yes. And uh, so is my husband, by the way. So I know where he gets that from. <laughs> no blame from me, of course, because yes, I'm, yeah, no, anyway. Um, um, and that, uh, okay, and then he has obsessive compulsive disorder and depression, anxiety. And, uh, and so what, what I would do for so long is fight it. And I couldn't accept it. I just couldn't accept it. I, uh, every time he did one of his rituals, I would just roll my eyes and just say like, oh, why me? You know, why us? Why us? What did I do to deserve this? And really what that does is it just spiraled me deeper into depression, deeper into anxiety, uh, deeper, and actually further away from connecting with my son. And so just accepting my boy for who he is, like he didn't choose this. Can you imagine choosing OCD? There's no way. If he could choose not to have learning disabilities, of course he would. If he could choose not to have ADHD, of course he would. So just accepting him fully for who he is, is everything. Accepting that you know, he's not the child that I wanted. He's the child that I have. And in accepting him, he's the child that I, I need. He's the child that I love. He's everything, right? Just accepting him. And, and maybe you have to accept your child because they don't have the grades that you want. Maybe you have to accept your child because they don't play the sports that you like or don't want to play the instrument that you want them to, that you played, that you loved, or you have to accept them because of their sexuality. Maybe they're gay, maybe they're um, non-binary, maybe they're, you know, maybe they've chosen a partner that you don't like, you don't agree with. The thing is, is that accepting your child for who they are builds connection. And not accepting it makes them feel wrong, makes them feel other, makes them feel like they're a disappointment. And we don't need our kids to feel that way. You all know our internal dialogue is never nice to us. But then when you add in parents that don't accept you for who you are, that creates a lot of pain, a lot of pain. So look at your child 
and look at what you can pick out about them that you love that isn't about anything that they've earned or they've chosen or anything like that like the way their eyes sparkle or maybe your child has the same nose as you or the same eyes or the same hands or feet my, one of my boys has the same feet as me. I love it. And actually, they're the same as my dad. So we've got this generational foot thing going on. And I love it. I look down at my feet. I see my dad's feet. Well, not with, I always have nail polish on. So it's not totally my dad's. But you know, just like, what can you appreciate about them that can make you just have those love sparks for them and just really see them in a new light? So that is my homework for you, if you will, for this episode, for my 100th episode, that is what I want you to do. I want you to think about what it is that you can celebrate about your child that isn't fake praise, that isn't something they have to earn, that is just who they truly are. Like I say to my kids all the time, like, I can't believe I get to be your mom. I love being your mom. I just love being close to you. I love being next to you. We don't even have to talk. And I just love it when you're sitting in the car with me, you know, I love listening to you. You always, I always learn something when, when I, when I talk to you, you know, just things like that for them to know that they're loved and lovable. And I'll tell you what, all of these things that I've talked about today will help your kids feel loved and lovable. And when they are unleashed into the world, they will be the kind of people who care about others, who listen to others, and who will choose empathy over criticism, judgment, and hopefully over violence. So I hope you've enjoyed this 100th episode. I will bring you part two next week where I've got five more things to share with you that will really help you in your parenting. And don't forget to go to parentingourfuture.com, enter to win, please subscribe, rate and review this podcast and enter to win some great prizes from a full coaching package from me, $200 Amazon gift card, an Ember Smart mug, one of four one hour calls with me. And of course, everybody who enters will get quick fixes for frustrated families, my guide that will be sent to you after you register, after you um, submit your, uh, your, your review and, and, uh, and, your, and your rating. Thank you for being a fan of Parenting Our Future. Thank you for listening. And thank you for being the kind of parent that wants to do better in your parenting, that wants to show up in a different way for your kids. I so honor you and I am so honored that you've listened. Thank you from the bottom of my heart. Thank you for listening to this edition of my podcast, Parenting Our Future. I'm parent coach Robin McMahon. And if you're enjoying this podcast, please share it with someone who you think might also need to hear this message. And don't forget to subscribe. And if you like my work, I'd be grateful if you gave me a five-star rating. For those of you who like my content and want more, visit me at yellingcurebook.com to get your copy of my book and to find other resources to help you. Until next time, I am wishing you and your family peace and care.